Daniel was dragged as a captive to Babylon as a young teen. Now he is in his 80s. Turn with our study leader, Dave Wilson, to Daniel chapter 10, and let's learn how this old godly prophet responded to God's people's failures and to God's apparent failures in bringing about justice to the world. How many of you have ever found out that one of your brothers and sisters in Christ have disobeyed the Lord? How many of you have ever found yourself saying, I mean, I just can't believe it. These are supposed to be God's people. How many of you as parents have ever found out, and Mary and I would join you this, how many of you have ever found out that your kids have blown it? Like it was very discouraging many years ago when my son Josh was in high school to find out that the police who were my dear friends, were not coming in friendship, that they were on my front porch because my 17-year-old son had blown it. Anybody ever experienced that? What do you do as a believer if you know Jesus as your Savior? And if you're an unbeliever here today, you say, I'm not into this Jesus thing, but my neighbor invited me to come, so here I am. You're probably sitting there going, I'm going to sit here today because, man, Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. Well, I want to share with you, as this preacher, that's right. If you stay around here long enough, you're going to find out that somebody fails to do what they're supposed to do. Anybody ever experienced that? How many of you ever failed to do what you're supposed to do? Okay. Now, here's the way I respond. One of the ways I respond is I just want to get away from it all. In other words, I just want to watch TV at night. I want to hold up in my house. I just want to forget it. Anybody ever feel like that? Okay. Another response I have is, in the morning, I want to get up early, and I want to go to Caroline's Cafe, like I often go, or to Kim and Jenny. You just put your favorite hangout. It can be a place over in Waxahachie. And I like to sit down and drink coffee with my old cronies, and I like to gripe. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> you know, I just can't believe our church is the way it is. I can't believe Christians are the way that they are. There's a part of me that just loves to gripe over coffee. Anybody have that? It's very possible that some of you are sitting here today and you are in gripe form and you're loving it. Daniel is in his 80s. Now, some of you are in your 80s today, and that's one of the great things. I love our church family because we got everything from little tiny babies pooping in their pants to older folks who can bring us great wisdom. I won't talk to you about what they do sometimes. I'm only kidding him. I'm getting up there fast. I want to talk to you about a guy that's in his 80s, and he wants to teach us today. You've all watched It's a Wonderful Life over the Christmas holidays. You all like Jimmy Stewart. I hope you're smart enough to realize that's not the gospel of grace. It's a Wonderful Life is if you do enough good things, you'll be touched by Clarence. If you've been under my teaching long enough, I hope you watch all that Christmas stuff and go, man, good works, good works, good works. Even Scrooge is pure good works. And I hope that you say, oh, man, we got to get the good news out because it's about forgiveness. It's about people that mess up and people that sin that find the incredible forgiveness in Jesus. And then they receive resurrected life, and they really can be honest, and they don't have to pretend to be good people when they're not, but they can let the transforming resurrection power of Jesus. But that's another message. But what is Clarence in It's a Wonderful Life? He's an angel. Now, what does he look like? He looks like a kind, gentle marshmallow old man. 
That's the way angels are in fiction. Almost every time I go to the movie or watch TV, angels almost always are like Clarence. Now, remember the popular series, Touched by an Angel? In fact, I think even one of our sisters in Christ had the idea of Touched by an Angel. But there's another. What is Monica in It's Touched by an Angel? I know it was years ago, but I'm sure... How many of you ever watch reruns? Come on. Who is Monica in Touched by an Angel? She is a... And she loves coffee. But I also want you to know, she is a knockout Irish beauty. Man, all of you men would want to be touched by Monica. But that's your idea of angels. Soft, marshmallow, gentle, beautiful Irish women, you know, beautiful women and old marshmallow old men. I want to teach you what it really means to be touched by an angel. I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 10 because it's more like if you meet a real angel... So if you're a young person here, you're really into Iron Man, you're into, you even have some toys you play with with all these super figures. Well, I want to teach you kids today where all of those incredible superheroes, you see, that's a yearning, even in your toys that you play with, that there's got to be some beings that are bigger than us. And so as we turn to Daniel chapter 10, you could title Daniel chapter 10, it's more like being stunned by an angel than touched by an angel. We start out with Daniel really discouraged. Look what it says in Daniel chapter 10. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel. He was called Belteshazzar. That reminds you that we're still dealing with the teenager that's now become an octogenarian. The same guy we started with in Daniel chapter 1 that Nebuchadnezzar tried to brainwash him. Now we're way in Daniel chapter 10. He has lived a whole lifetime, and Daniel is still the same old Daniel. He's still walking with God. He's still perfect in his heart. So that's what the text wants you to know. The message that he received is true. There's a lot of TV shows. There's a lot of teachers. There's a lot of people that you can't believe it's the truth. So one of the decisions you're going to need to make, I believe that what I'm going to teach you this morning is the revelation of God. You don't have to believe that, but that's what I believe. When we walk into eternity, we'll find out in a second what's really true. Daniel, if you're from a Jewish background, Daniel isn't Gentile, he's Jewish. So all of you that go to work with Jewish people, you can tell them this week that you studied one of their prime Jewish prophets. That's who we're talking about. Daniel is going to give us a message that's true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. Daniel is introducing, we're now beginning the last vision of Daniel. Chapter 10 is going to introduce the vision. We're going to meet several angels. We're going to have Daniel have the transcendent world, the supernatural world, actually appear to him. He's going to be stunned by not just one angel, but several angels. We're going to meet angels like Michael, who's the patron angel of the Jewish people, who is still fighting for them. We're going to find out an angel that is contending against Persia, and they are seeking to make sure that Persia gives a decree. And so how many of you have heard about wars this week in the news? How many of you have had your cup of coffee? I just can't believe the world's never been this bad and there's not going to be answer. And man, President Obama talks about the audacity of hope and everybody believes, man, it's the same old Gaza Strip. People are still fighting and we're still sending drones over Pakistan. How many of you get really discouraged about there's wars and rumors of wars? 
Well, in Daniel's day, there were wars and rumors of war, and we are now in 536. We're more than 500 years before the time of Christ. And there's people fighting. And there's people fighting when Jesus comes. In fact, my son's a historian. If my son gave you a history of warfare, you're going to find out that there's always war. And so you need to stop drinking your coffee and say, man, I just can't believe it's never been this bad. I just can't believe we need the good old days. My brother told me last night, hey, remember the good old days when we were New Jersey kids sitting in our hallways at school with our leather jackets over the head because Khrushchev was going to blow us up with nuclear bombs? Those were great days. (laughs) And what I want you to know, Daniel, the man of God, realizes that the biblical revelation, this is true. All of your lifetime, there are going to be wars and rumors of war. How are you going to respond to them? What are you going to do about it? Look what it says. It says, at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food. I ate no meat or wine. Notice that Daniel didn't not eat meat and wine all of his life. In Daniel 1, he made a statement. I'm not going to be brainwashed by Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to live for the true God. But he's not locked in legalism because now he's lived in Babylon for many years. And what he's saying now, I took a break. So you guys, what the text is telling you, if you want to be a vegetarian, I will bless you. Mary and I need to lose some weight. We might join you for several weeks. But please don't tell me that you're holy and God can do incredible things for you because you never eat meat because there's something wrong with it. Because that's unbiblical. So don't use Daniel chapter 1 to teach me about vegetarianism because when we get to chapter 10, he's eating meat. Some of us need to not eat as much. You got me? Okay, but Daniel, I want you to know what Daniel is doing here. How many of you have ever been so upset? Now listen to me. How many of you have ever lost somebody in death and after the funeral you ask, Somebody comes to you. It's usually somebody like me, a dear old pastor that says, come on to the church and let's eat. And how many of you have ever said, I don't feel like eating? That's mourning. If you get upset enough, if you get grieving enough, you don't want to eat. How many of you have ever seen somebody where they haven't taken a shower in a while? They don't have Chanel number 75 all over them. It's morning. In the ancient world, and my Jewish brothers and sisters, as Gentiles, you all pretend that you're not hurting. In fact, one of the things is you're scared to death to grieve. Like you're scared to death to face, like if, if, you're, if you find out one of your kids is really bad, you come to church and you, t- you don't ever tell your Sunday school class. You act like, oh, everything's fine. Our family's doing great. And you just found out that your kid had an abortion. And you're grieving. And they're hurt, and maybe they're wandering away from the Lord. One of the things Daniel teaches us is that we need to get upset, and we need to grieve, and it's okay to be down. It's okay to have feelings of sorrow. But I want you to understand what Daniel is sorrowing for. Daniel, for 21 days, it doesn't mean that he doesn't drink anything. It doesn't mean that he's some ascetic monastic hermit that's destroying his body. So I want to be really careful because some of my young teenagers will say, man, I'm going to really be like Daniel, and you'll stop eating for 21 days, and then I'm going to have to send you to Dr. Glenn Ledbetter or Dr. Busquet because you're dehydrated. Please don't do that. 
What Daniel is saying is he's so exercised that instead of eating a big meal at night, he skips the meal and he prays. When Mary and I have heard of devastating struggles in our family, that's the way we've responded. And I want you to understand it's not because we think, in fact, this text is going to teach us, some of you have the idea, if I could only be super like some monk that you've heard of, and you stop eating and you get skinny and look like Gandhi, then you'll really be a holy person and God will listen to me. That's not what fasting in the Bible is about. God doesn't listen to you more when you're hungry. He listens just as much when you're full. But he wants you to feel what is happening to Daniel so you'll know why he is grieving. In the first year of Darius, the first year of Cyrus, and it's very possible, I don't want to get into debate, but it's very possible Darius is just a, another name for King Cyrus. And Darius in the Akkadian and in the Persian languages is a word that can stand for the king. It's like a title. So I don't want to get into that debate, but I really believe in the book of Daniel, I do know that in the first year of Cyrus, he let the people go home. Daniel in chapter 9 prayed, Lord, I want the people to go home. The 70 years of captivity is up. If you'd been in captivity in Babylon and, I, and we, we couldn't go home, and suddenly I say, hey, we can go home. It'd be like, you know, I took you all up to live in Yankee land with me. And I made you live in Yankee land for a long time. And finally, I say, hey, I got a 737. Come on, let's all get in the 737. And man, we're going to go back home to Texas. All of you guys that are Texans, when you landed at DFW, you go, yay, 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 I'm finally home. It's the way Mary and I feel when we go overseas. You've all done that if you've been overseas. You know what? Hardly anybody went home. They like their houses in Persia now. They were making big bucks. A lot of them had forgotten all about worshiping the Lord. Like some of you are wrestling. How can this thing be true about Jesus? Man, I work in an office. Nobody believes in Jesus hardly. So I guess it just isn't true. Daniel's culture was a million times more pagan than your office ever dreamt of. Most of you school teachers, when you have your break, and Kim was even saying it this morning, he brings up the debate down in Austin about evolution. Half the teachers he talked with at Cedar Hill believe in creation. And they're wondering why in the world there's such a big debate in Austin that we can't even mention what most of us really believe in our gut, that there really is an eternal God. I got news for you. You don't live in nearly the pagan culture that Daniel did. And so I want you to learn to listen to Daniel. Daniel lives in a horrible time. God's people for 70 years haven't been able to have a temple. They haven't offered sacrifices. Now the Lord lets them go home and nobody obeys. How many of you have ever gotten discouraged because nobody listens? What do you do when nobody listens? Daniel goes to the cafe and greets the men. Forget the Jewish people. They're a bunch, of, a bunch of jerks. They're so idiot. In fact, I just think I'm going to forget about this whole Yahweh thing. I'm in my 80s now. I'm just going to go eat some worms and die. That's what some of you are doing. I'm just teasing a little bit, but I'm speaking to deep issues. You emotionally get upset when you feel that something's being lost. Daniel felt that the children of Israel were being lost. They were being disobedient, and they were. But instead of just being negative, he prayed. I want you to learn how to be encouraged and strengthened by prayer, empowered by the power of prayer. What I want you to learn to do as a parent 
as a fellow believer, when you see the failure of God's people, you need to grieve over that. But you need to grieve in prayer. And Daniel convicts me. Daniel, under the old covenant, has a passion for God's people and a passion for God, so much so that it moves him not to want to eat. And he prays for 21 days straight. He's going, this is the month of the Passover. He celebrates the Passover. And they're supposed to be celebrating God's great deliverance over Egypt, from Egypt. And now he's saying, Lord, you delivered us from Babylon and hardly anybody went home. And I'm discouraged. And I see the sin of my people. They're still breaking the Mosaic law. As American believers, Bishop Robinson did pray to the God of our many understandings. And in his prayer, he thanked God for the glory of homosexuality and transvestism and all kinds of weird stuff. And you get angry about that. And you want to kill Bishop Robinson. You need to get down on your knees and pray. Because that's the only thing that can save the Anglican church. And if we got enough brothers and sisters in Christ praying, maybe Bishop Robinson will really be stunned by an angel, stunned by the truth, stunned by the living God. Because he doesn't believe what I'm teaching today. He doesn't believe this book anymore. Praise God on a positive level. Rick Warren not only prayed in Jesus' name, as I asked you to pray last week, but he prayed Jesus' name in a lot of different languages. So you see how it works? There's glory and there's witness and there's great failure. How do you respond to that? Your family, yourself, your church. We need to join Daniel down on our knees. When you do that, you're going to truly be stunned by God. In Daniel's life, he received an incredible invasion from the heavenly world. And this wasn't just some mystical experience, but he, he's doing his work. He's out with a bunch of Persians because he's still high up in the government. He's by the Tigris River, and look what happens. Look, this on the 24th day. So he, this would be he, he fasted for 21 days. He fasted for 23 days. Now it's the 24th day. It says, as I was standing on the bank of the great river Euphrates, I looked up, and there before me was a man. So this guy looks like a human being, looks like a man. He's dressed in linen. That's, the, that's a white linen of a priest. It says he has a belt. So you picture this man, and this isn't a woman. It's like a very strong, powerful. He's wearing this linen white robe. He has a belt of the finest gold. So you want to picture this white linen garment, which is the, the garment that the priest wore, like back in the book of Exodus. It tells the priest to wear this at high celebrations of the true God. He's got this beautiful gold belt around it that's all inlaid with gold. You ladies would be coveting the beautiful inlay of gold on this belt. Then he says this. His body was like jasper or like chrysolite. And it's hard to nail down exactly, but this is a beautiful gemstone in the ancient world. And it's hard to nail down exactly what it is, but it's not like the, uh, our, we, we usually think of it more like an emerald in our society. It's not green. This chrysolite is this beautiful golden radiating stone. So you kids that are in the audience, you've all seen it on TV where suddenly, you know, you have this human being and suddenly they're transfigured and you see this incredible crystal-like being. If you watch Superman, they're all dealing with crystals and everything. Remember that? Well, when Daniel sees, and kids, this is the real thing. 
What Daniel is seeing is what heavenly beings are like. And what happens is we have a picture like this in Ezekiel chapter 1. If you read the book of Revelation, you're going to have a picture of Jesus in his glory like this. It's an incredible thing to see the power of the world. And I want every little kid, when you watch like the Iron Man and you watch all of this Transformers and all this weird stuff that you're watching, I want you to let your mom and dad, and I want you to read the Bible because that hunger to have super beings is from God. There's got to be something bigger than us. There's got to be something beyond this. And there is. This is it. This is an angelic archangel. In fact, it's hard to nail down. It might even be, you know, it, it could be Gabriel that appeared in Daniel chapter 9 that's now revealing his glory. Look what else it says about him. It says that his face is like lightning. Kids, can you imagine seeing someone like, how many of you have ever seen lightning go off? You've ever seen that, kids? Man, boom, and a big bolt of lightning comes before that. Can you imagine seeing a guy and lightning bolts are coming from his eyes? And it says that his face is like lightning and his eyes are like flaming torches. His arms and legs are like the gleam of burnished bronze. So you look at his legs and they're strong and they're powerful and they're radiating this light. And his voice like the sound of a multitude. Now what happens when you're really touched by an angel? Can you imagine seeing something like that? Some of our brothers and sisters in the third world will tell you. They'll say, oh, yeah, that's, that's right, that's right, man, I've experienced that. The Lord might cause some of you to experience that. I don't want you to be in a church family that puts all the supernatural stuff in the background. Some of you are scared to death to be touched by an angel. I also want to caution you. Daniel doesn't go to some big meeting where it's really emotional and everything, and I could bring you up here and get you all wound up and hit you in the head, and if I hit you hard enough, you'll fall over. Sometimes that's real. Sometimes it's just not true at all. So I want to really caution you as your pastor. I want you to know you're living in a church family. I really believe in angels. And I really believe if you see an angel, like I have people that tell me I saw Jesus the other day. And he's kind of like Clarence. Or I have somebody tell me, you know, I got touched by an angel and they see an angel, but it's more like Monica. This is the real thing. And it stuns you because of its power. It says, I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men who were with me had terror come upon them, just like when Saul or Paul was hit at the Damascus Road. So he was left all alone, everybody else, just like when Paul, in Paul's journey, everybody else leaves. And so he's left by himself with this incredible figure. He says, so I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. Now, what happens when you're stunned by an angel? There's no strength left. My face turned deadly pale, and I was helpless, and I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, and my face to the ground. So Daniel is knocked to the ground by this angel, and he's down like this, just devastated, probably totally out because he's been knocked out. And then it says that a hand touched me, and he set me trembling on my hands and my knees. So he, Daniel begins to get up. Then it says, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. That's what I want you to hear today. Daniel is your brother. And the angelic, transcendent, powerful being says, Daniel, you are highly loved. Consider carefully the words that I'm about to speak to you and stand up. I want you to stand up this morning. If you're discouraged, I want you to stand up. If you're angry, I want you to be touched by the gracious, living God. There's still hope. If you feel that you're facing 
problems in your family, problems in our nation, problems in our church. I can't deal with the problem you're facing. But God can. And you can feel the touch of your Savior today. And he can say to you, get up. Then he continued, don't be afraid. Some of you are afraid today. I talked to a man last yesterday. Just got word that his body is riddled with cancer. It's one of the scariest things you could ever have. And it devastates me. Some of you have friends, friends that you've known for many years, and you go to visit them, and they're not like Dallas Cowboy football players. They've lost a lot of weight, and they're gaunt. And their humanity is hard because it's evaporating before your eyes. How do you handle that? You know what Daniel's telling you? As I talked to my friend yesterday, I thought of Daniel 10, and I told him, you know, there's going to come a time when your legs are going to be strong as burnished bronze. And there's going to come a time when if I looked in your eyes, it would be like burning fire. When I looked at your face, it's going to radiate lightning bolts. And when I hear your voice, instead of the voice being extinguished by the weakness of death, it's going to be the rumbling of a multitude or like the sound of many waters. Do you all believe that? Do you believe that? You say, Dave, that's too good to be true. No, it isn't. When he shall appear, the beloved disciple taught us in 1 John chapter 3, when he shall appear, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. This is just one of God's archangels. And the Gabriel and Michael that it talks about, because the chapter talked about a great conflict, it says that I need to tell you that in verse 13, but the prince of Persia kingdom resisted me for 21 days. Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, which is what we're going to talk about in, the verse, in chapter 11. While he was saying this to me, I bowed my face to the ground, and I was speechless. Then one, here it might even be Jesus in his pre-incarnate body. This might be another angelic being, maybe the same being. It's almost as if Daniel is so stunned and he's crying and he's rejoicing and that he can't even distinguish these incredible supernatural beings that are talking to him. It says, he touched my lips and he opened my mouth and I said to the one sitting there, I'm overcome with anguish because of the vision. My Lord and I, I'm helpless. Maybe that's the way you feel today. That's not a bad thing okay to be helpless. It says, how can I, your servant, with you, my Lord? My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. Again, the one looked like a man touched me, and he gave me strength. And this is what I want you to hear. He says, don't be afraid. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to say to you today, he wants to touch you. And he wants to say to you, don't be afraid. You're highly esteemed by grace. I want you to be at peace. And then I want you to be strong. I want you to be strong if you're dealing with cancer. 
I want you to be strong if you're wrestling with a friend that's suffering in cancer. I want you to be strong if your kids are wandering away. I want you to be strong if you have a partner in your marriage that's just grieving you because they're failing. I want you to go on your knees and pray like Daniel. I want you to let the spiritual world be real to you and touch you. And I want you to hear an incredible gift because these angels are ministering spirits according to Hebrews chapter 1 that are sent today. If I speak to you, these angelic beings are here in this room and they want to touch you. They want to encourage you. They want to be with you. They want to protect you. The final thing I want you to know, we'll talk more about it as we get into chapter 11. It talks about the prince of Persia that was resisting him. So he said, do you know that I've come to you? Soon I will return to fight. This is verse 20 against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one supports me except Michael. And in the first year of Darius the Mede, I took my stand to support and gathered him. This is what's going on. I'll just sketch it to you quickly. Brothers and sisters, you need to realize that it's not just your own struggle with sin. It's not just our church family struggling with just human dynamics. We're in an incredible spiritual warfare. What Daniel was facing is Cyrus said, you can go home. There were demonic beings that were trying to keep Cyrus from giving that decree. There were demonic beings trying to keep the children of Israel from obeying. It looked like there was an incredible conflict. And what I want you to understand, that conflict is real. That conflict, it's not pretend. It's why prayer was so important. But when you get down on your knees and you pray and you let the transcendent Lord that lives in your life touch you, then you get caught up in the wondrous story of God's grace. And that's what we're going to be finishing the book of Daniel with. You're in that story today because not everyone went back, but some did. And some rebuilt the temple. And then there was great conflict. Some stood strongly against Antiochus Epiphanes. The whole Jerusalem hierarchy went away from the Lord but when Jesus was born at Bethlehem, there was still a girl named Mary that could be touched by an angel. And she says, do whatever you want, Lord. I'm your servant. That's grace. And as you live today in the midst of your life with your kids, with your church family, with your school, with your country, with your nation, if you join Daniel on your knees and learn to really pray, and learn to mourn over sin instead of being critical over sin. You'll be touched by God's transcendent power. And even if you're wrestling and walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll read a passage like this and say, I might look kind of weak now, but look what my Savior is going to do. And that's going to enable you as friends to walk all the way through aging, sickness, accidents, and not lose hope. God of light, come into the dark of night. Touch me. Touch me with your hand. Emmanuel, please reach into your deepest well where there's rivers of living water that can touch me today.